Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Experience Our Industry podcast. I am Dr. Brian Greenwood, and I'm super excited to be here today with 2007 graduate of our program, Nellie Albee. How are you, Nellie? I'm great. Great to be here, Dr. G. It sounds so long ago. <laughs> I know. Well, you know, it was it, it's so long ago that you call me Dr. G. You know, people are yeah. gonna be people are gonna be confused because after you left, Dr. Goldenberg um adopted Dr. G. So she's now the yeah. Dr. G. So we don't Yeah, she her. was my advisor. I did actually call her that as well. You so I her- <laughs> <laughs> you are you're the new doctor, <laughs> right? You're one of those sport. You're one of those uh, sports folks that uh, yeah. that have a nicknames for almost everybody, right? I love it. I love it. <laughs> yeah. So Nellie is the current uh, senior director for global inside sales and enablement with Nitro Incorporated, and we're going to talk all about what Nitro does and what uh, Nellie is doing right now. Um, really excited to talk and get into that transferability of skills that we talk about a lot with our major as a, as a management um, as a management degree um, there's a, there's a great deal of relevance to that transferability and you know I've in, I invited Nellie on and um, I'm going to continue to do this with a number of um, a number of our alumni who may not uh, on the surface think to themselves or, or our listeners may wonder well how do they relate to the experience industry and I, I think it's really critically important one that um, that that we understand that um, a, a management degree, like I said, gives you a base where you can essentially go out and do pretty much anything. And two, I think it's important that um, there are, our alumni feel a, a sense of place and a, and a sense of home still in the major. You know, I've talked to people who almost feel embarrassed, like if they go into nursing or teaching or whatever. And I'm like, please don't don't feel embarrassed at all. That's um, we love we love that, and so um, so that's an, another reason why I'm excited uh, to talk with Nellie. Nellie and I we, we were just uh, we were just rem- reminiscing. I, I had just gotten to Cal Poly when she was a, a student at Cal Poly, and um, so I uh, supervised her senior project. That was our um, that was our connection. But we have connected over the years and staying in touch, and um, and that's been great. Um, so Nellie, let's start from the top. Where are you from originally? Yeah, I was like, you probably remember me because of my crazy senior project it was about sex appeal, sports marketing. So that was probably memorable to you I starting. Like, what did I get myself that. into? <laughs> I do Our remember Cal that. Um, but yeah, no, I grew up in Davis, California. So everyone thinks of just UC Davis, but I actually grew up there, one of the, the crazy locals. So my family is all from the Bay Area, but grew up mostly in Davis and in Davis High. Right so very, on. very similar to slow without the beach, we like to say. <laughs> right, right, of course. And what, what did what did your folks do growing up? Yeah, um, I kind of became a blend of the two, but my dad was an entrepreneur, so started businesses his whole life, travel agencies. He actually dabbled in, in sports management and was a sports agent in the LPGA for quite some time. So we uh, definitely had parallel lives for for years there. And he also started a, a national golf league for about 10 years called the NGL. Um, oh, it was no pretty, way. 
Yeah, pretty big in Northern California with um, teams all over the West and Arizona and then 2008 hit. So funding, Ah, you know, kind of went elsewhere, but he's actually in the events industry now, which as we know, along with everyone else has taken a a hit, but he's been doing um, events with buses and sporting events, concerts and things like that, and kind of making it a party, like kind of the Ryder Cup format. So we, yeah, we relate a lot um, from that side. And then I my mom. I remembered, yeah, I thought yeah. I remembered that your dad was in the industry. And I, I, I'm sorry to interject here, but yeah, sure. I've gotten huge into golf. So uh, yeah. <laughs> so I, I love it to hear that you that you grew up in a golf family there. Did you, did yeah. you play? Yeah, we of the three daughters, none of us play golf, and he tried, trust okay. me, very hard for years um, uh-huh. to get us to go. I have grew up on a golf course, you know, mm-hmm. going, but I was more mm-hmm. concerned with getting snacks and playing on the golf cart and hunting for golf balls than actually learning. But right. it definitely, yeah, I regret it now that I'm in sales. I should have listened to him. But right, right. Well, well, you know, <laughs> I, I just time. I just picked it up during the pandemic. You know, it's actually one industry that's booming during the pandemic because it's mm-hmm. something you can do socially distance and, and outside. So uh, yeah, yeah, I've been playing a lot. So, but anyway, and what about your mom? What did, what did your mom do growing up? Yeah, so my mom's a college counselor. So, and she actually went to Cal Poly. So. I know that's part of the the reason I chose Cal Poly actually, but she uh, works at multiple different JCs in Northern California as a college counselor, but most recently as a professor teaching the psychology of death and dying and grief and loss. So oh, very, wow. <laughs> very uh, interesting subject matter, um, but she, uh. she loves it and she's definitely you know, the, the woman that can handle the job. Um, so she's done a lot with like hospice and helping children grieve through art therapy and things like that. So, Oh, wow. Such, such important work. The, um, trauma informed care and and Mm -hmm. how that, that has, um, unfortunately gained a lot of traction, um, in recent years. And, and also, you know, obviously in a global pandemic, I bet, uh, I bet she's, people have been wanting to interview her quite a bit, um, through all this, um, gotta be, gotta be almost exhausted, gotta be exhausting for her. So I admire her to be able to, to be able to soldier through in, in these, these tough times. Um, so, so growing up, you said you, you, you grew up, uh, chasing golf balls and riding the golf carts. <laughs> were you, were you into any other sports, um, uh, yes. growing up or were you um, a drama so, kid? What were you like? Yeah, definitely on the sports side, no surprise, but uh, I played basketball swam, but basketball was definitely my, uh, passion in high school, but mostly because I was obsessed with the Sacramento Kings that anyone from Davis, would know is how right. notorious it was, but we grew up season ticket holders, and obviously it was when, you know, they were actually good back in the, say, the late nineties. Yeah, glory days for the, the glory Kings. days. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, my high school stint was right when you know we were playing the Lakers that everyone remembers the Kings by with Weber and Jason Williams and Bibby and all that. So yeah. it was definitely my first introduction into my passion for sports, and I was fascinated by all of it and wanted to learn the front office and you know it's a very early on and that's where I started wanting to be a sports agent it was definitely I know from early days of just seeing the glory of of what the the Kings did for the Sacramento area because we really didn't have sports outside of the Aggies you know right right we don't have to talk about them (laughs) 
<laughs> right. And you were one of, and you were probably one of those that, um, you know, even though we talked about those early days when I, when I was coming into Cal Poly to develop the sport management program, um, you were probably one of those, uh, ones who, um, expressed an interest in sport agents being a sport mm -hmm. agent, but actually knew what that meant because of your dad, <laughs> right? Um, most, yeah. uh, the Jerry Maguire effect back then was, uh, was still really strong. And, uh, yeah. and most thought they wanted to be sport agents agents and then they learned about uh you know sport management law degree. And realized yeah yeah realized they need a law degree or yeah. to be best friends with LeBron James totally. you know, uh, one yeah. or the other right but yeah. um but yeah so so you said your mom uh, your mom was an alumni so that was the connection to Cal Poly um mm -hmm. were they supportive of your direction um I, I don't remember did you did you come here on a basketball scholarship um, no, I was oh, okay. nowhere nearly oh, good okay. enough. Yeah, I got hurt early on in high school. So that's kind of, okay. it's been interesting with all of my sports path. Like, I think it was also because I idealized student athletes and mm -hmm. wanted to be a part of that. But mm -hmm. I, you know, I'm 5'11", so I'm tall, but nowhere near. I would have had to be a guard. I got um, you. Especially then we were pretty good <laughs> in women's basketball. So yeah, yeah definitely yeah. was not, was, knew I wanted to be on the business side, though, just because of my passion, gotcha. even though I didn't have the talent. Got you. Got you. <laughs> Admittedly. So, right. Of course. So I imagine your, your parents were pretty supportive of you moving in the direction with the major initially. Yeah, absolutely. My mom, it's funny. Cause I know I've been, heard a couple of the podcasts where we didn't have sports management and I'm like, really? I thought we did. Cause I, I actually <laughs> went and toured Cal Poly and met Marnie, Dr. G. Yeah. Um, I didn't know, you know, obviously I had no idea who she was, but she was in the hallway and my mom's very outgoing and was humiliating to me at the time. Now <laughs> I'm more similar to her than, than I ever was. But we, I think just poked her on the shoulder and were like, Hey, like we want to check out the sports management concentration. And there was a concentration sports yes. management. So yes. the, that was one of few universities I actually found that had it as mm -hmm. a, a major, um, even, you know, if it was rec. So I clinged on the, to that immediately. And yeah. I actually wanted to go to Arizona U of A because obviously the basketball team and it's, it's fascinating because I since figured out how smart it was because I was at a smaller NCA university, the exposure I got is yeah. so much more than the friends I had that went to U of A who tried to work in, you know, the sports side of business, not to say I wouldn't have gotten in there, you know, but it would have been definitely harder to have the exposure I had right. at a smaller NCA right. school. Right. And I think that's a, you know, I think that's a, a really important point. I mean, yeah, sure. You can go to some of these big schools, but um, mm -hmm. yeah, good luck. Uh, good luck getting in, yeah. uh, you know, working your way in. Whereas um, some, some of our students, you know, are the ones wearing the, the headsets totally. on the sidelines and are actually doing yeah. things. You know, um, uh, I was at, uh, we, I don't know if you know this or not, but we, we opened a brand new, right before the pandemic hit, we opened a brand new beach volleyball court right behind um, Mott Gym. So a whole complex there yeah. for beach volleyball. And um, and I was there and they were they were awarding um, the uh, Big West Conference Championship uh, 
trophies to all of the all the students and two of our students two of our seniors were right there they were the ones like handing out the uh handing out the trophies and then also with with headphones on like handling all the logistics of it and uh, it was it was you know it was like one of those proud moments i was like getting pictures of our student athletes who are in the major but also um yeah. our, our our sport management students so that was really cool so yeah really good point there so you know once you once you got here to cal poly can you talk about what you did to 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 build your experience um, what what was um, what was the experience like and and I don't mean to discount um, your experience at all with sport management you're absolutely right we we've had a mm -hmm. sport management concentration since 1991 it's just that um, there actually were not any there was only one RPTA class um, that was uh, that was sport oriented and all the others were like business or mm -hmm. kinesiology and and that's good I mean that's good to get um, you know to get knowledge from from multiple different um, disciplines but uh yeah I, I've since added uh, three classes um, that are that are under our major that we students are able to take which makes it a little bit better but um yeah. what was your experience like did you uh, did you work for Cal Poly athletics what did you do while you were in school yeah no it's it's funny you say that I actually because my mom's a college counselor we knew which a major was least impacted so even though I knew I was going to be a recce I actually applied under ag business no offense to them but I took one class and it's like my family joke that I said what's a swine in class because I had no idea and I was like get me out of here so I took it was all these dairy farm children you know uh -huh. So I'm like, I got to go. So in, I actually did the whole process to move. So I talked to a lot of students too about it is possible. You just have to have two quarters with good grades and write a paper. So I moved very quickly, you know, into rec. And uh -huh. it's funny, I actually loved the fact that you could pull from business and pull from Canice and we had that flexibility. Yeah. So I kind of created my own um, you know, schedule, if you will, and kind of yeah. my own destiny. And then I don't know if they have it now. I was trying to remember what the class was called, but we had a lot of internships, obviously, that were provided for us and access and resources to get on campus and off campus sports management type internships. So I jumped at that very early. And I actually graduated in three and a half years because I got so many credits from doing a variety of different internships. Right. Because yeah. I was all about, you know, the motto, I lived and died by, you know, hands on learn by doing like I yeah. absolutely that fed my learning style. So I was like, right. get me get me out there. So actually, the first I think it was sophomore year, I met Bill Saylor, who I think just retired last year. Um, but we're still, you know, keeping in good close contact. So he actually brought me in to do events for the athletic yep. department early in sophomore year. And I met this woman and I'm blanking on her name, uh, but she worked full time and she was a senior and she actually got paid to work in the athletic department full time. And she was like the main intern. And I was just like, I'm going to be her as a senior. And you had to kind of win it. Right. Um, and apply. And it was like an actual salary position. Uh -huh. So I was like, I'm going to do that senior year. Um, so obviously ended up getting that role and was full time in the athletic department senior year. And anytime I wasn't in class, I was in the athletic office. So I saw it kind of transition into the green room. And then um, Scott Brayton, who I know has since left, but he was there for a while running marketing side of the athletic department. So I actually worked for him. And he was new. So we both 
like my fondest memories are learning about sports marketing from him because he brought a wealth of knowledge that we just hadn't had at Cal Poly in prior years from a marketing standpoint. Right. So learned a lot from him. Um, so those two, you know, I, I credit a lot of my exposure in terms of college athletics. And then my official internship, I actually applied and got, uh, was with the LA Sparks down in Southern California. Uh-huh. So I did those three, you know, ju- sophomore, junior, senior year. And the LA Sparks was obviously, you know, a very eye-opening experience because here bet. I am. Yeah. Was that the know, early days of the WNBA? How long had the WNBA been? Um, They've been around a while. I mean, it was when the Monarchs were still there. So it was 2000. Okay. Five, it was. Yeah, yeah. yeah so I mean, Lisa Leslie like was on the team. Yeah. Oh, so right. I was yeah. hanging out with Lisa Leslie. I was just, you know, having a field day. But our, uh, you the, were, you got to hang yeah. out with Lisa. Oh Leslie? yeah, yeah. We well, had, that shows how she is. Because you know, I, I yeah. worked for a couple professional teams, and I never got anywhere close to any of the stars. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't but, say I was hanging out like that. But what it was <laughs> right, a community. Right. I loved the department I was in was community relations. So right, we were actually. Right out doing like the beach cleanups with the team, making sure that they had, you know, enough waters and Sharpies to sign signatures and photo ops. And so it was before social media and all that. So we were just making sure that they got media there and, and, uh, you know, were good PR side of the house when it came to community side. So, and then obviously working all the games doing auction. So I was I called my mom as her other famous story from Staples Center lost and, and I was almost in tears because I was going to, you know, worried about getting in trouble. And, you know, like professional sports, it's just very high stress. And you're 19 years old, lost in Staples Center with autographed, you know, basketballs trying to find your way out. (laughs) It's a a crazy stadium. So the tunnels. It really is. Yeah. 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 And then I was driving back, going to classes after games, you know, at late at night in the fog back 101 from LA. So it was Definitely an experience to me where I felt like I matured and really realized that, you know, I can do this and and be a sports career woman. And, you know, my friends were partying during that time. And I was, you know, out in LA, living there by myself part time and coming back to school. And right. So it definitely, I think, matured me. Yeah, I was going to say, like, I, I remember when I when I first met you, I, I remember being struck with how by, by how professional um, you were and how you, you carried yourself in that way. And um, and, that, and that was great for me, you know, as, as coming from, um, you know, coming from a big university where you don't see that as much with with college students. I mean, obviously, grad students, you see it a little bit more. But um, that was one of the things that, I, that I've always been struck with with Cal Poly students is by that junior or senior year, you're mm-hmm. really moving into that professional development um, roles in a lot of the things that you're doing. And and it's so great. So, um, you know, you, you went on from there, you worked for, for the Raiders and the athletics and, um, and, and then I, I I want to, I I want to tell, I want you to tell the story. You know, I've told the story to my uh, sport management students for, for a long time because you shared it with me. I think you came back and did like a, a guest lecture at some point or, or something like that for me. I don't, remember exactly but um can you tell the story about how you got uh the position with the golden state warriors in business development (laughs) yeah so i I mean it's kind of twofold before so oakland a's was my first job right out of school in 07 so worked season ticket sales for them definitely my dream was to get into basketball so 
I did a full year there and I kept applying to the Warriors to get in. Um, you know, it was when Monte Ellis was there and I was living in the Bay. Um, but originally when I first graduated, I don't, I mean, email was a thing. So I don't actually remember why I did this, but I printed out my resume and cover letter and personalized every single one for every single NBA team and mailed them, which just seems so old school. Um, and mailed them to every single NBA team and maybe got a couple email, you know, blanket rejection emails and nothing from that. So I just kept at it, but followed up with emails. Um, Once I got the A's job, I did land that, but wanted to get into Warriors. So I knew that the Warriors had a weird email domain name. And so they use middle initial. So they're trying to be tricky. So I sent to the head of, of uh, BD business development and a couple of head of community relations, I think some of the leaders and just sent middle initial of every single letter in the alphabet, uh, the alphabet and one of them obviously went through. Right. So it was, yeah, just a good start, but it's people make, I think it's just don't make excuses. Like anyone right. can get in there. You, I didn't know anybody. I didn't have a, you know, didn't know anyone at the A's, didn't know anyone at the Warriors, um, even having worked in, in sports for a year, a couple of years. So it was just, you know, determination. And it's rare to now being a hiring manager, people that go above and beyond, it's just so telling in terms of how their work ethic is going to be going forward. If they can be creative and, you know, take don't take no for an answer. So. Right, right. And if I remember correctly, you said that the, the the person you got through to was so impressed. Um, so we should probably tell the story a little bit also. Um, you know, in working in professional sports, um, they do keep their email addresses uh, uh, guarded because mm-hmm. if not, every Joe and Julie fan out there will be sending yeah. them, you know, will be sending the marketing director emails about how they didn't like the starting lineup the night before, <laughs> you know, yeah, or, yeah. or be, or, or, or you know, totally. uh, send the equipment manager, uh, you know, uh, plays that they've drawn up yep, or requests yep. I mean, for tickets did, or whatever. I did that in high school. So I, <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. So they keep them guarded. So that, that's why it was so impressive what Nellie did. And, um, if I, if I remember correctly, wasn't the, wasn't the person, uh, so impressed that you got through that they were like, all right, I'm going to give you an interview just for that or something <laughs> like that. I think so. I honestly don't remember how I actually got the interview, but I definitely heard back and then we set it up. I actually interviewed at the Warriors twice. Okay. Didn't get it the first time. So yeah. Yeah, I mean, I was just determined, determined um, yeah. to get in there. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so then, you know, um, so you get in finally, and you work business development for for the Warriors, and mm-hmm. um, and I, and and this kind of leads us in. Um, obviously, you ended up after that. You ended up in a sport position um, after the Warriors, but mm-hmm. you know, I hear from a lot of. Um, uh, well, not a lot, but I hear from some people, Nellie, who say, well, you know, I've kind of looked through your list of sport management students, and it doesn't seem like that many of them end up in sports. And one yeah. of the things I say to them, and I go, I go, yeah, because a lot of times what happens is you end up in these positions, like Nellie was with, with Golden State, with business development, mm-hmm. and these companies that you're partnered with are so impressed with what you're doing that you end up getting hired by these companies, and they can throw more money at you than Golden State had, uh, you know, pay yeah. somebody for business development. Um, so can you can you speak to that? Um, wh- what that was, uh, or what your experience was like with Golden State, and then and then moving into a position. I assume um, the position with UC Davis after that was it 
did you get connected in through Golden State? How did that work? No, I was just burnt out even after three years with three teams, well, four teams with the Raiders working game days in professional sports. And I loved working at Cal Poly Athletics. I mean, working the NCAA tournament and Mm -hmm. working with a variety of sports and student athletes. So that was more where my passion lied. I think every sports management student wants the glory of professional sports, but Mm -hmm. some people last one year, some last five, some last 10. And it's not to say I didn't enjoy my time there. Um, Definitely. I think gave me the grit for working in software now, um, which we can get into, but yeah, I mean, it, it absolutely was, my passion was more with student athletes. And so I was three years, three years at the athletic department in Davis, loved my time there. And honestly, it was getting back to the Bay and money that, that drove me to kind of, I joke and no filter with the podcast, but I say I sold out. Um, but to as you brought up, there's so much transferable skills, experience, relationships, all of the above. Um, and I know we'll touch on that getting into the tech space. Like it's, we talk about it a lot because um, we hire a lot of athletes. And I actually started a uh, kind of my side hustle is a company that I started to help student athletes bridge the gap into working in sports or oh. playing professional sports into technology sales just because oh, it is wow. so relatable. Um, but yeah, so UC Davis, I actually had 50 student interns that were working for, uh, the five of us that were in the front office. Our office was in the football stadium, new stadium, um, like right in the press box. So, you know, we drove the, the mascot around, I had the headsets on, um, it was, you know, a crazy three years worked a hundred hours a week, every single game, every sport. Yeah. And you know, yeah. you tire out. Yeah, it's it can be exhausting. exhausting. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. You know that. And, and that was kind of, um, I don't, I don't know. I, I've probably never talked uh, to you about this, but th- that, that was actually one of the reasons why, you know, I got a master's in sport management and that was one of the reasons why I, um, I first went towards campus recreation and then second went towards academia because I was like, um, I want to be the one drinking the beer in the stands. I don't want to mm-hmm. be wearing the headset, right. running around like a crazy person. <laughs> you yeah. Know? And, yeah. Uh, I, so, that was not for me. I wasn't yeah. good at it either. I joke, like you said, my most memorable time at Cal Poly and I'm horrified because the first thing I think of, and this is what you don't, you know, in sports, you don't think about all the things that could also go wrong being 19 with the headset at a right. football game, but it was the memorial game for the plane accident that we all know about. Uh-huh. And I accidentally pushed a song at halftime with all the survivors on the field. You had a bad day. I'm tone deaf. So that was a terrible, but it started blasting on the sound system on accident. And I had to quickly change the song, but I was that's like what I think about when I think about running games. And I just was like, this is not for me. I got to be in the back in the office. (laughs) I'm not going to have, yeah, it was terrible, but there's so many different facets of the sports industry. And so what Cal Poly's experience working in the athletic department, you kind of figure out, you know, where your, your strengths are. Yeah, no, you really and, do. And, and you yeah. don't know until you get into it. And, um, totally. and so I, I think that's, uh, that's so important. So, you know, um, UC Davis kind of, uh, uh, set you, set you in the, in the sales, in, uh, yeah. in the sales sphere, if you will. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know you that well, but what I do know about you is, is that, um, you, you're, you're a relationship person. You're, you're good at, at building relationships with people. And, um, I, I think a lot of people hear sales and they get, 
mm-hmm. they get a little clammy. You know, I know I was one like right out of college. I ended up with a business, um, ended up going into business and, um, I was great at establishing the relationships. And then when I actually had to make the handshake, my hands got like really <laughs> clammy and sweaty and yeah. I started getting like super nervous and people were like, um, yeah, well, okay. Yeah. COVID, actually, I don't think it. I want to yeah. buy this now. <laughs> I was saying, luckily with COVID, yeah. you don't have to shake hands anymore. Yeah, exactly. So you might want to exactly. give it another go. Maybe that's what I needed was a pandemic. <laughs> but but you know, I, as I've as I've aged, I've come to realize that that pretty much everything we do, every every class that I that I teach is sales. Almost, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so much of what we do on a daily basis ultimately is sales. And and in this um, oh, capitalistic oh. society that we live in, obviously. Um, Mm-hmm. There's there's um, there's something to that. So let's talk about the, this pathway um, into into technology sales. You know, you started with GoGrid and and then and then sail through and now Nitro. So what's that experience been like? Um, what can you um, uh, can can you give us uh, can you give us the cliff notes on 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 what it's like and and um, and and what you would tell students who may be interested in a sales career? Yeah, no, it's a a very good question. And I do think, you know, my dad was in sales, so I didn't necessarily have the negative, you know, um, concept of it. And it absolutely is giving back to people. Like I, my two younger sisters are both occupational therapists and have gone towards the helping people Uh pathway. And they just say, and you're in business, but I always argue back at them. I mean, it's absolutely hands down helping people, helping your network. And when you talk about relationships, like to me, there's so many people that have phony relationship skills and they Mm -hmm. do it in order to network or they do it and it feels forced Mm -hmm. and it being your authentic self, you know, for better, for worse, then leads to a, you know, the, the skill set of likability, which I think we're Mm -hmm. kind of fearful to talk about because it's absolutely a skill set. And it shouldn't be forced. And it's all comes from providing support, help, advice. I mean, why we do things like this to others and it comes back. Like your network builds and grows organically because of what you put out into the community, what you offer. And so to me, that's what sales really is. I mean, even from sports sales to technology sales to whatever you're selling. I mean, I've sold three very different softwares to different personas and different types of companies. And it's all the same consistent message of providing support to customers, to your teams, to your employees, to your managers. And I think that's what's, you know, made it kind of natural for me. Um, mm-hmm. And I actually read, I'm not a big reader, which is always on my list to be better at. Um, but it's a book called Never Eat Lunch Alone. It's on my LinkedIn by Keith Ferrazzi. And I mean, his whole approach to network just really resonated with me because it's all about giving back. And so part of the student athlete um, kind of program that I've just run personally on the side as more of like a hobby, but it's all because, you know, the more people I can get into software that, you know, want to get in, like the more my network grows. So it's partially, I mean, you could say it's partially, you know, selfish in a way, but that's where, you know, the more you put out every single employee I've had, I want to make sure that I have a lasting impression on them and that I've provided them support so that they take it elsewhere and continue the cycle. But also, Hey, I hope one of my employees is hiring me one day, you know, and that's kind of how I think of it. Um, But yeah, it's funny getting into software. It was a huge um, decision. I actually had an offer from IMG at Cal and an offer from GoGrid and software. 
I won't tell you which one was double the pay and moving <laughs> back right. to, to San Francisco. Um, but I actually, uh, a coworker I met at the Oakland A's who I'm still very close with, who is very successful in software sales. He got the job at GoGrid first and was trying to convince me to come over. And I was mm-hmm. giving him shit for being a sellout. And, you know, cause we all, I had, I actually had a woman right when I graduated, wanted to hire me as a recruiter in tech. And I said, absolutely not. I'm going to work in sports. Like this is my fallback plan and said, uh-huh. no. And she, I, I mean, I didn't appreciate it, but she said, give, I'll give you five years and you'll be back crawling at my door. Like really oh. snarky. Yeah. But it's oh, funny that, that literally five years on the dot, right. I got out of sports, but didn't go back to her. Um, right. Right. But yeah, I mean, it was, a very tough decision for me just because I did feel like I was giving up a bit. But Mm -hmm. what I've been able to do is continue that passion of sports. Everything I learned into software, it's the same competitive nature. It's the same demographic of reps, you know, like Mm -hmm. the exact most of my sales ticket sales friends are now in software sales. So it's so transferable. Um, You know, it's that competitive nature. It is tough to get into. You have to know people in software. So it's almost become especially in the Bay Area, almost the competitive nature of what sports used to be is what software sales has been, especially now with COVID. I mean, we're the industry, obviously, that's, um, you know, still able to perform because we're now remote, like nothing Mm -hmm. has really changed for us. Um, So obviously grateful for all of that. But it's just interesting to see the parallels. Um, But to your point, I mean, the personal attachment and passion I didn't want to give up on. So that's why I still right. continue to work with student athletes from Cal and that I've played professionally. A lot of my old friends from Cal Poly who played football and wanted to get into sales, you know, working with them to, to help with resumes and interview development. I've helped a couple NFL players that, you know, only played a year or two get into tech. And that to me, like keeps that passion alive and it's very it. rewarding. I love it. That's so great. You know, we are, I'm actually partnered with a couple of kinesiology faculty and, um, and Cal Poly athletics, um, staff on a, um, study that, that we're doing, looking at, um, career identity, um, career professional development and career transition for NCAA student athletes. So I love Mm -hmm. to hear that you're working in that space and that you're, you're making a positive impact because I, I just, I ran into so many student athletes who, got down to their senior year and realized, oh, mm-hmm. I guess I'm not going to be able to turn pro. And, right. um, and what am I going to do? Or even if I, if I am, I'm probably only going to last a couple of years. What mm-hmm. am I going to do? I don't have any experience like my peers do because right. I've been devoting so much time to, um, I've been devoting so much time to my sport. So it's great to, great yep. to see that you're, that you're giving back along those lines. I, I want to ask you, you know, we've made this, um, we've made this shift to the to experience industry management and one of the things that we worried about a little bit with um with our alumni from um y- you know that that weren't a part of the shift and didn't understand what we were doing we were worried that they were going to feel alienated and so this this podcast is at least partially um to try to 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 help uh spread the word you know that um that what we're doing one is not meant to alienate um, people who were, were reckies uh, during their time here, but it's to show that we're not we're not satisfied with the status quo. You know, I mean, yeah. we we ultimately, when we did a scan uh, on LinkedIn we realized that recreation parks and tourism only represented about um, 
20 to 25 percent of what our students were actually going into. Mm -hmm. And we were hearing students telling us that the recreation degree was a barrier for them in, um, in getting positions in, in corporate events or in, in, other, mm -hmm. in other avenues. And so, you know, one of the things that I think is great that we, we honestly, uh, Nellie, we, we did not, we saw experience industry as an umbrella to, um, to bring sport and event management under. What we didn't realize is that pretty much every company in the world is trying to craft experiences for their yep. clients, for their employees, for their, um, you, you know, for, for their customers. And, and that's ultimately what you just, that's ultimately what you just said, right? And, and what you're talking about in, yep. um, in technology and, and software sales. And so can you speak a little bit to that? Do you, does that resonate with you and what you're seeing out in the marketplace? Absolutely. It's funny. I have a couple of friends that my best friend actually has her master's degree in sports management from USF uh -huh. and she works, runs events for a software company. Yeah. So, and she worked in sports for years, but I mean, it, look, we're all, we all want to have our, our uh, personal lives and we want to afford the rent that's everywhere in California or try and attempt to buy a home. So to me, it's absolutely you know, transferable in every way, because every single tech company or whatever industry you're going into on the business side, I mean, they're all hiring people that they want the creative, the management experience. I mean, I was taking business classes that all my business, you know, friends were taking, it was the mm -hmm. same exact curriculum, but it was what I chose. So it almost promoted this creative style yeah. to the business side. Um, and it was, as we've touched on, it was very hands-on outside of what business was and not to knock business at Cal Poly, but it, we were out in the field and they yeah. weren't. Yeah. So that made such a pivotal difference. And I preach rec experience management, you know, to everyone incoming freshmen that I know, because it absolutely, that hands-on experience, no, nobody else, none of my peers have had anything comparable Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's that the creativity piece I think is critical. Yeah. And I yeah. felt like a lot of what we did in, in the classroom really and outside promoted that events, you know, sales, all of it mm -hmm. is, is about networking. And I mean, we're sitting here chatting today. I can name every single professor and I, all my friends were business majors. They don't know a single professor. Yeah. They were talking about TAs, yeah. Yeah, right. exactly. I yeah. mean, and it's just a testament of what a network can create, even stemming from Cal Poly 15 years later. Yeah, That's for scary. sure. And you know, we're we're um, uh, I don't know if you know this or not, but we're 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 developing um uh, an experience innovation lab um that we're going to open. Um, they're they're building a brand new building, um, beside the Baker Center, which the Baker Center wasn't there when you were there. They they mm -hmm. tore down part of the Spider Building. Remember the old Spider mm -hmm. Building? Yeah, yeah. And uh, they tore down part of that, and they built the Baker Center. I guess that was like uh, ten years ago or so, oh, okay. six seven years ago, and then. Yeah. Um, remember building 10 where most of the agriculture courses were yeah. um, that big courtyard where there used to be like wild turkeys and all that. I don't know if you ever saw any of those. <laughs> this is why I got uh, out of ag business. <laughs> uh -huh. Underneath that big tree they're they're building, um, yeah. they're building a building for us and we're going to be in there with an experience innovation lab. And, and it's going right. to be, um, you know, exactly what you said. We're going to be bringing together students from all across the university and it's going to be creative. It's going to be storytelling. It's going to be mm -hmm. um, trying to test 
manifest these experiences and um, and uh, f- for companies and, and industry. And so, uh, yeah, we're super excited about it. We, we've um, the experience design element is obviously a, a huge element that every company, like you said, you just said, mm-hmm. my friend works for a sophomore company doing events and um, and, yeah. uh, you know, at, from from small construction companies to banks to to uh, to software companies obviously to professional sport teams and, and, um, mm-hmm. and destination marketing organizations, everybody's trying to create craft experiences. And now obviously with, um, the global pandemic, that's, um, there's, it, it's impacted, but we're, we're going to have to have more creativity, right? I mean, Absolutely. the ones that the people who have more creativity are, are the ones that are, are, you know, succeeding. And so, Yes, exciting times. When you when you think about, I guess, the future and the challenges, um, what are what are what are the challenges that you see in um, in technology sales, and um, what would you or, or and or I'll give you an and or on this one. What mm-hmm. advice would you give to uh, students who are graduating and who maybe think they might be interested in um, technology yeah. sales? Yeah, I mean, when you talk about experience, too, I just took a note. I mean, I think the whole, what we haven't really touched on is just the culture side of startups and software. All the companies I've been Mm -hmm. at have been very startup culture. I mean, the company I'm with now, Nitro, is Australian founded, you know, very young, driven, smart, intellectual, you know, founders. And Mm -hmm. Sail Through was run by the founders when I were there, was there as well. So Mm -hmm. it's kind of that experience grit. um, For me, the culture just fits so well with my personality. I was never going to be somebody in a suit, which actually at the Warriors, we had to wear a three-piece suit and stilettos every day at games. And I was <laughs> yeah, you did. That, tripping that's, over how you, that's how you differentiate. Yeah. That's a, <laughs> I, I, It's so it's such a weird thing about sport management. So I remember weird. that when yeah. I worked for the Hurricanes. If they had a suit on, you knew that they were, they were in yeah. charge. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, this is sports. It's supposed to be the opposite. And now I'm exactly. sitting, you know, crossing market in my sandals and jeans and our yoga pants and now we right. you know are in sweatpants working so right. it's a, it's definitely more of my culture and i think a lot of, you know i have a very direct communication style i often say i probably would have been in trouble working in other industries but with tech you know it's very predominantly men it's very vocal we're very open like our culture says on the website no bullshit it's not mm. bs it's mm. no bullshit and so uh, to me it's kind of, um, and you talk about the pandemic and everyone shifting to this remote work, like it's technology is leading the way and we've been doing it. And it's mm-hmm. kind of now the world's catching up with us. And it's ironic that I actually sell what we sell e-sign and PDF software. We essentially are selling work remote software to be able to work with documents and do your common workflows for industries who haven't been able to. So we're so used to this. I mean, I, we definitely went in the office, but we could work from anywhere. And now right. we're just seeing, you know, in six months, the whole world's trying to catch up with what software has already been doing. Right. Um, but it's, yeah, it's been very interesting to see. While it's sad to see moving trucks on our street every, every week, you know, for people leaving the Bay because they don't have to pay the rents any longer. But right. it's, you know, I think it's the challenge you say, I mean, it's changing it's going to be very interesting in the next 12 months to see how office culture changes, how new people are onboarded, what new opportunities are going to arise from like HR onboarding software for remote work is, you know, is a uh, spiking right now for doing virtual games with onboarding and 
how do we adjust the way we communicate, you know, from our, our living rooms or bedrooms in my sake, our case. Because <laughs> right. it's a lot of us thrive, especially in software and in sales by in-person connections. And yeah. so while that's, you know, I don't think it's going to go away, but we're definitely learning how to adapt. And so I feel proud right. and excited to kind of be at the center of that. Mm-hmm. Love um, it. Yeah, it's that same feeling putting on a headset, you know, walking down the basketball court. Like I feel that working in software now. So that right. would kind of be my advice to others. It's like it's not the passion you have in sports because of the glory side of it. Like hold on to that, but it right. can absolutely, you know, be elsewhere when you see yourself thriving. Right. Just not in stilettos. Yes. No. Definitely <laughs> not. I love I it. I love it. Well, Nellie, uh, Nellie, let me just say uh, thank you so much. It's so great to see you and 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 talk with you. I know I know everyone else can't see you, but it's it's great to it's great to talk to you and catch up and um and uh, just uh, you know just really appreciate you taking the time today and um yeah, yeah. stay in touch. Yeah, definitely. I know we will. So, and maybe right. since I can work remote, I'll see you in Avila sometimes. So. There you go. There you go. Maybe we can play some golf. Yeah. <laughs> or you can ride along. You can, change, yeah, you can look I'll for my ball. Yeah, I'll drive the golf cart. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> All, All right. right. Thanks so much. Appreciate Thank you. the time. Thanks. Bye.